Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Well, good morning. Um, I'm Ryan. And this is Lauren, and, and we're excited to be here. We're glad that you're giving us this opportunity. We're pleased to have the opportunity. We're humbled, and we're honored to be here. Um, just a little bit about us. We've been married 11 years uh, this past May, uh, and it's only felt like half a year. Yeah. Um, it's, so we have two children. We have Stratton and Boston. They're eight and six years old. They're going to be in third and first grade. And... Uh, we're excited for this. God's been working in our hearts for the last probably year or so, uh, preparing us to make a transition from where we are in, in the place that we've been serving for the last eight and a half, almost nine years. So this is an, a big day, an exciting day. I'm going to allow Lauren a moment to, to speak and to pray over this day and ask that God uses this moment in spite of the distraction of the day. Uh, to speak to our hearts. I know that our, my words will be more scrutinized today than they ever will be. And that's the nature of the situation. I'm prepared for that. So uh, here, I'm mentally prepared. We'll see how I respond later. But in this moment, I'm prepared for that. But I'm going to allow Lauren to speak and pray. Well, good morning. Uh, it is such a joy to be with you this morning. And I just want to say, God is in this house. Um, I could sense it from the moment we got here this morning and we gathered around and prayed with the team. Um, there is an expectation and anticipation, and God delights in that. And so um, thank you for coming with hearts that are just uh, yielded towards the Lord. Um, I am a... Uh, people person. So I loved that I walked in this morning and you're so welcoming and so loving. And so thank you for that. Thank you for wrapping your arms around my kids. Um, it was a, an excitement when we got in the car last night and they said, I can't wait to go back tomorrow. So that says a lot about you guys. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. This is what I know. Uh, there's a lot of churches around the world, but we are one big family, one house, many rooms, right? So we are together here as family today. And so thank you for this opportunity. I know we have prayed a lot this morning, but we believe in prayer. So we're going to pray again. And just as I pray, ask God to open your heart and your eyes. I know it's distracting today, but God can speak and he wants to speak to each and one of you, to each and every one of you today. So let's pray. Father, we come before you with hearts that are grateful and thankful for who you are, Lord. God, you are mighty and you are great. Lord, we thank you for your spirit, Lord, that leads and guides us. Lord, we thank you for the clarity that he brings to our hearts. So God, I pray that as Ryan speaks to us today, your anointing and your spirit, Lord, would lead every word, God, to pierce our hearts today as we open them up to be yielded towards you, Lord God. God, I thank you for Grace Hill. God, I thank you for the last 10 years and the amazing foundation that Pastor Michael 
Michael and Tamara have laid, Lord. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the miracles that have come forth, Lord. But God, we look to the future with eyes of anticipation and expectation full of hope in our hearts, Lord, for what you're going to do and how you're going to use us to impact this community. Lord, there are souls that need to be won to your kingdom, Lord. God, and we want to be a part of that as the body of Christ, Lord, to see people come to receive salvation and life transformation, Lord. We give it to you, Lord, with praise and adoration to your name. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, we're going to go ahead and jump in. There's no sense in in waiting any longer. So a little about myself is that I am a very loyal person. At least I, I perceive myself to be a very loyal person. I think my wife would agree with that. In fact, there have been times in my life where she has told me that I am loyal to a fault. And so there have been multiple times in my life and in my career where I am so loyal and faithful to the person leading me that I will neglect the things that I need to do in order to fulfill what I've been asked to do by the boss, by the person over me, the person leading me. In fact, there are several times that it's cost me many hours of sleep because of how late I need to stay up to finish the other things that, that I need to take care of. Uh, a few instances, there, there have been several times in, in the church that we're at now where our pastor gets these ideas last minute. He's, he's very much a visionary kind of a leader and, and not always the most uh, in the, uh, the organized side planning type, right? And I love him to death. He's my brother-in-law, so I love him dearly uh, beyond the fact that he's my boss. But there have been multiple times when on a Thursday afternoon, he has this idea for his sermon on Sunday. And he comes to me and he says, can we make this happen? And the loyal part of me always says, yes. I always go, there's a way. We have time. We have between now and Sunday to pull this off. I don't know how we're going to get a car on stage. That's never happened. But that's the kind of ideas that, that he comes up with. I, you know, I don't know how we're going to make this. It will happen. We will get it done. We'll figure it out. But that means then Saturday night. At, at nine o'clock, I'm still, you know, starting getting all of everything ready for the service things of that nature. I'm a, I'm a very loyal person. I'm loyal to a fault. I remember back when I was a student at Southwestern Assemblies of God University in Waxahachie, Texas. I say it that way just because it's a mouthful. Uh, we'll call it SAGU. I remember being a student at SAGU, and I was a student worker in the, in the finance department. And I had a boss. Her name was Kim Rich, and Kim was awesome. She was a cool person to work for. She was a lot of fun, but she was very focused and and very determined to get things done. She was always committed to getting the job done and making sure that the books were balanced perfectly, always. I remember one time we were off by one cent from balancing the books. We spent the next four hours trying to find a penny, and I was going, this is why I'm not called into finances. This is crazy. But I remember that one summer I was in between my, my, my second semester as a senior and my third semester in which I was about to graduate, and I was leading worship for all of the youth camps and stuff for, the, for our, our fellowships, summer camps. But I was still maintaining my job, so I'm working and I'm driving back and forth, and I'm, and I'm tired, I'm leading worship at our church on the weekends, and I'm becoming exhausted. So I would go to work, and I would sit at the desk by the receptionist who was a friend of mine, and I would just talk, and I would find myself sitting there for an hour or so before I got anything done, which is not my norm, but at this time I was very tired. And I remember I had neglected one thing in particular Filing. Filing is not exciting. If you've ever had to file, you realize that this is 
it's a rough life. And as a college kid trying to make his way, filing is where I found myself. And it was what I neglected. And I remember having a moment when my boss, Kim, came to me and said, we need to talk. And I was thinking, oh no. And she came to me and she said, listen, you have neglected the filing, not just for a day, not for two days, but you haven't filed anything in a week and a half. There is a stack in there now that is far larger than it should ever be because you have not filed anything. And I remember there was a shift in her tone going from, hey, I'm asking you to do this to now I am telling you to do this. How many of you have ever been in that place and in that moment where you felt, oh man, I feel the authority of the person over me now in a way that I had never felt before? So I'm feeling the weight of this and I have this realization of, I better get that done. So I worked very hard for the next few hours and I got all of the filing done and it was not fun. And I'm sure I ended up with paper cuts and I tried to file a complaint and it just didn't, HR could, didn't want anything to do with it and told me it was my fault. I'm just kidding. There was no complaints filed. But it makes me think of, of Jesus at the end, when, just before he ascends into heaven and we're in Matthew chapter 28 today and it's, we're going to talk through the Great Commission I wanted to speak this morning to share my heart, to share who we are and the vision that God has given us for our lives and the vision that God has commanded each of us. So if you would jump into Matthew chapter 28, uh, verse 18 through 20 is where we're going to be today. And it's something that we should all be fairly familiar with if we've grown up in church, been around church or near church. And if you haven't, this is, if this is new, then great, we'll work through this together. But in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, it said, Then Jesus came to them and said, The them here, I'll just clarify real fast, would be the 11 disciples at this time. There were 12, but now Judas is no longer with us. So we're at the point now where we fast forward and there's only 11 disciples. So he says, he comes to them and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Father, anoint my words today. Guide my direction. Lead me as we walk through this. In the name of Jesus, amen. The big thing that I want to communicate today is this. If we are surrendered to Jesus... Making disciples becomes our daily purpose. If we are surrendered to Jesus, making disciples becomes our daily purpose. It's what motivates us. It's what pushes us. It's what causes us to get up every day. Because we are under the authority of Jesus, the first thing we need to understand this morning is who is giving the command? Who is giving the command? See, Jesus makes a statement in in verse 18. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So who's giving the command? The command is coming not just from our friend. Yes, Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than our brother, and there's that that, that closeness. And the the disciples here would have felt that. They would have had life and relationship with Jesus. It would have been this common living that they had had together, that they had walked with him. They had been near him. They had sat with him. They've had dinner with him. They have had relationship with Jesus. There was this closeness and this friendship. Yes, Jesus is our friend, 
He's also not just our savior. He is our savior. We're thankful for his salvation. We're thankful for the love and the grace that comes from Jesus. But he is making a statement very clear in this moment that, that beyond that, more than that, greater than that, I have all authority. I think where we struggle sometimes is that, that we're good with, with surrendering our sin in, in, in the faults of our lives, in, in accepting the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus, but the ultimate surrendering is difficult. If you look at the book of Matthew, you see that there are several times where, where Matthew speaks to the authority of Jesus. In Matthew seven twenty nine, he, he tells that he had authority in his teaching. In Matthew 8, uh, he talks about the authority in his healings. He had authority to forgive sins like we read in Matthew 9, verse 6. He even states that he had authority over Satan, which is an authority that he then delegates to his disciples in, in Matthew 10. And in the end, Matthew says he has all authority, meaning complete and total authority. There's not one thing in our life that we shouldn't be willing to surrender to Jesus because ultimately, as deity, as God, he has the authority. And it's up to us to be willing to fully surrender and accept his leading and be willing to obey the commands of Jesus. I'll put it this way. We struggle with the idea of having somebody over us sometimes, right? As people, we love our freedom and we speak about our freedom. As Americans, don't touch our freedoms, right? But this is something people have fought for. We, we long for our freedoms. And so to the idea then of coming under somebody's authority, we struggle with a little bit at times. And we go, whoa, 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 don't tell me what to do. I told Lauren the other day, she, I was saying, she was like, you should wear this or that. And I'm like, I don't have to wear that. I'm a free man. <laughs> and she said, really? I was like, no, I'll wear that. It was a little different than that conversation, but it was close. You know, we, we like the idea of our freedom, right? To be able to, to stand on that. But, but Jesus is saying, listen, understand the authority in which I'm speaking to you. Understand the command that I'm giving to you. Understand where I'm coming from. How many of you would say that, that at work you have a boss, right? I, I, I have a boss, right? That I have to be under. And that when they speak to me and they tell me what to do, what needs to be done, I need to get that done. How many of you agree? Like that's kind of how the, the system works. There is an, an authority that we come under and that they kind of lead us and, and, and walk us through things. If they're a good leader, we're willing to follow quickly, right? And, and how many of you would say that if you neglect to do what the authority is asking you to do, things don't go well for you at work? Things ultimately don't end well. Maybe you're a business owner and you say, well, I don't have an authority over me directly, but you have clients and people that you're trying to get to buy your product or use your service. And if you neglect and disregard what the clients are asking of you or they're saying needs to be done or how they want things done, you're going to lose that client. Now understand, I'm not saying that if we disregard this command of Jesus, he's going to strip our salvation from us. That's bad theology, bad doctrine. That's not what I'm saying. But we understand by natural law and the way things work that there is is a good reason for authority. There is a, a necessary reason for the authority that's over us to allow us to be led and directed. Ultimately, if we are submitting to the authority of Jesus, we realize that it is a good and perfect authority, that, that it is him leading us for our blessing and for our benefit, but it allows us with our free will and our freedom that we have to then submit and surrender to the authority of Jesus to the commands and the leading that he gives us. And that's not always easy for us because our own ability to choose and our own ability to say yes or no to the things of Jesus. 
So Jesus is stressing the idea that, that, that there is a need for us to submit to the authority. I've worked in different churches over time, not a ton, a, a few churches. And I've been at a health, very, very healthy situation and in an unhealthy situation. And I've found that in healthier situations, it's easier for me to be willing to trust the authority of the leader. And I'm more quickly uh, able to respond in obedience. I'm I'm more apt to say, yes, I like what you're doing. I like what you're saying. I'm going to follow that. But in an unhealthy situation, when you you question the motive of the leader, when you question what they're trying to accomplish and, and what they're trying to make happen, you're a little bit hesitant, right? So why is it that if we know that Jesus is a good good God to us, if we know that Jesus cares for us and loves us greater than anything in this world or anyone ever could, why is it that we sometimes hesitate to be willing to submit to his authority and to his leading? He starts verse 19 with the word, therefore. Therefore is a powerful word in scripture. It's a powerful word in literature if you understand that therefore usually speaks to a statement previously made. And he's saying this, he's saying, because of the authority in which I have, because of the authority that I am standing on, that I am now declaring and making known in this moment, because of that, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. He's saying, because of the authority in which I have, the authority that I'm standing on, go and make disciples. So the second thing this morning is understand the command given. Understand the command given. Jesus gives us fairly specific instructions here in how we're supposed to respond to his authority or to go and make. He uses two words that require action. He re- uses two words that, that speak to movement. The first word is go. Now, the first word being go, it, we have to realize that, that there's a couple of possible outcomes when you look at the way scholars have tried to interpret scripture, when scholars try to, to understand the words of Jesus in this moment. There's a couple of possibilities that is kind of split down the middle on, on how people view it. The first being that Jesus is speaking to the idea of your everyday life. That as you are going on your, on your daily journey, as you are walking, as you are becoming more like Christ, be a disciple maker. So the idea is, how many of you realize that, that salvation is almost the starting point for us? You're, you're not ever less saved or more saved in any moment. Your salvation is true and right. But it is a beginning. Jesus, his idea in the, and his want for us in salvation was not simply just to justify us and make us righteous in the moment, but to start us then on a journey with him to grow and to become more and more like him, right? I think we can all agree with that. So he's saying, as you go... As you are walking, become a disciple maker. Don't just be focused on your growth and your personal walk with the Lord, but make sure you are extending that to others, that you are reaching those around you and that you are doing what you can to help them become more like Christ. The other idea that that a lot of them have is this, that, that it is the word meaning get up and move. Go to the people where the people are. And this is a lot of times the harder part for us. We, we know that we are going to go on a daily basis. We are going to be moving and growing because it's a natural part of life, right? We understand that. But sometimes we struggle with the getting out of our comfort zone and walking across the street to somebody else. Now, in the Jewish culture, this would have been a struggle because they thought very highly of themselves 
and especially in that day and age, that, that the salvation was going to come to them, the Messiah was coming from the Jewish people, and now that they had received it, even you can look at Peter and how he struggled with the idea of reaching into the Gentile world and the Gentile culture. He had a hard time with that. And so Jesus is saying, go and make disciples of all nations. And, and that would have been a little bit of a, whoa, 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 easy. You're pushing me a little too far. I think a lot of times we, we have a hard time with that, that initial step, that going. I think that we have an easy time hearing and feeling the prompting of the Holy Spirit to go. But it's that getting up and moving that we struggle with. There have been several times when I was a youth pastor years ago, I would tell our students, they would say, well, how do I hear the voice of God? And I would say, well, one thing you can know for sure is that you're ne- the devil is never going to tell you to go tell someone about Jesus. The devil's never going to come along and be like, hey, you should go tell them that Jesus loves them. Like, is that you, devil? I'm like, no. That's the Holy Spirit speaking to you, right? So I think we can, in that instance, we can all hear the voice of the Lord. God is not going to say, don't say a word, be quiet, shh. No, no, no. The Lord is going to push us and prompt us. It's our ability and our willingness to be obedient to step out and go. I've learned this, that, that if I'm going to get up in the morning, if I'm going to get dressed, if I'm going to go to work, if I'm going to make things happen, it doesn't happen if I just don't move and lay in bed. Are there moments when I just want to lay in bed and not move? Absolutely. But do I have to get up and move? Yes. And does it require action on my part? 100%. 100%. You have to give the effort to move. You have to be willing to step across the aisle and meet somebody new. You have to be willing to go and shake hands and get to know somebody. You have to be willing to go more than just surface level conversation with your neighbor. You have to be willing to go deeper in your conversation with people at work. The Holy Spirit may push you to talk to that relative or that family member that thinks that you are a religious fanatic because you call yourself a Christian. And you have to be willing to say, you know what, I care enough to go. I care enough to go. The second word that he gives us is make. Make doesn't happen because we want it to. Make happens because we make it happen. The only person who's ever had the ability to speak things into existence was God. He's the only person, the only being in in, in this in this entire universe that has the ability to speak things into existence. He's given us the ability to work and to make it happen. There's three things that that I know about work or about making things happen. At first, it requires thought. Anything that's created is created twice, right? If you've ever read Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, you know that everything is created twice. First in thought second in the action, right? So we first, we think about it. And it's easy to think about making disciples, right? We all know that we know the Great Commission. We know the passage. And it's easy to give that thought and say, hmm, man, somebody really needs to make that happen because I see the need, right? It's easy for us to see and to think that something needs to happen. That's the first thing is thought. The second thing is the want to. You have to have the desire for it. I learned this years ago. I remember being in like sixth, seventh grade and learning the, the difference between a need and a want. A need is necessary for life, right? A need is something we have, we have to have. We need air. We need water. We need food. We need shelter. We need love. We need Jesus. Those are things that are necessary. Wants are more of the things that, that are extras. Not bad things. I'm not saying that they're wrong to have wants. But, but those are the, the possessions that we desire, right? 
Now, if we begin to understand the need that people have for Jesus, it shifts our want. If we begin to fill the need, all of a sudden there becomes a greater want to. It becomes a greater want to. And the third part of that is there is effort. There's effort. We have to be willing to put the first two together. We can have the the thought about it. We can have the want to, but if we don't have the drive to make it happen, it won't happen. And if we understand and fully submit to the authority of Jesus that we are to go and make disciples, that should be enough of the push to, to want to make it happen and enough to push us to give us the effort and the desire to make it a passion in our lives. Remembering that if we are fully surrendered to Jesus, then making disciples becomes our daily purpose. Using the Great Commission to fuel our daily life. To say, I live and I exist to see people come to Jesus and to draw closer to him and become more like him every single day. I love what Martin Luther said, the the reformer. He's credited with saying, pray as if everything depends on God, but work as if everything depends on you. When we combine prayer with effort, all of a sudden God changes everything. God begins to work and move and we begin to see things happen because we're willing now to, to not just pray and ask God for, for the help, but he's willing to, to come alongside us because we input our effort into the situation. And maybe you think this, I promise you this, in, in this moment, Jesus here is, is he's laying the groundwork for discipleship, not just for the 11, but for the work of the kingdom moving forward. He says, this is how we will expand. This is how the love of Jesus is spread throughout the world is through the making of disciples. And, and maybe you have this idea. You think, man, I, I have worked my whole life. I've tried to make disciples. I've had one person come to know Jesus, and that is the extent of it. I, I've learned this. Jesus doesn't count by hundreds. He counts by one. Uh, we read that, that he left the 99. You know, he says he leaves the 99 to find the one. He's focused and, and committed to the one. And, and what I've learned about this is when you find that one and you build them up, you disciple them, you know what it does? It makes you excited and it gives you this, this energy and this new life. And all of a sudden you're like, I want to do that again. And I want to do that again. And I want to do that again and again and again. But understand that the one matters and the next one matters and the next one matters. So then what is a disciple? Still understanding the command given, right? Understanding what, what Jesus has tasked us with. What has he called us to do? So a disciple, plain and simple, is, is, is an apprentice, right? Somebody who comes underneath somebody to learn from them, to understand what it is that they want us to accomplish and make happen, you know, how to be like them, how to do what they do. So in essence, we are all to be apprentices of Jesus Christ, That is who we're supposed to be as disciples. See, we're not just converts and Christians, but we are disciples of Jesus. We're to live our lives in a way that that says, I want to come under you to be more like you. And then we're supposed to bring others along and say, now you come under Jesus as well and learn how to live like them. So he gave us two specific ways in which we make that happen, two specific thoughts and and how to do this. First is this, and y'all are doing this next week, which is absolutely awesome. He says, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
That is so crucial in the moment. Now, it, it doesn't, baptism is not salvation. Salvation happens at the moment of repentance and the acceptance of Jesus. But this is vital and necessary in the process of discipleship. Because now it's taking that person and saying, they are going to declare for the whole world to see and know that they are wanting to walk and live for Jesus, that they want to come under him and live according to his purpose and what he is calling them into. That is the first step, because now, as a family, we get to hold each other accountable in a healthy way, not in a judgmental, dominating way that says, you messed up, you're condemned to hell now, get out of here. No, 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 no. This is a healthy accountability where we can lift each other up, we can spur one another on, iron sharpening iron, because we have told the world and said, this is who I am, and so now we have the, the ability to come around as a family and build them up. Baptism is vital and necessary in the discipleship process. Not just because we are commanded to do so, but because the command was backed by a very good and intentional reasoning. Now it's declared for all people to see. We can build each other up. We can use each other. And the second part of that is to teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. This is where it gets harder. This is where it requires us to be willing to put forth effort. And this is where we often drop the ball. We're good about the salvation part. We're really good about water baptisms. And this is where we tend to struggle. Because this requires us being selfless and understanding the bigger picture. And understanding what it is that that God wants to do beyond just ourselves and our family and in our walk with the Lord. Family is number one. In our house, we have a saying that we say all the time with our boys. And we tell them all the time, you are, and then they say, mighty men of God. So discipleship starts at home. Making disciples starts in, in, in your kitchen with your children. Making disciples starts at, at bedtime. Making disciples happens on the way to school. Making disciples happens at breakfast. It's those moments where you take opportunities to speak about Jesus and the things and the teachings of Jesus. And here's where it gets harder for us outside of the walls of our home is it requires the same amount of attention uh, and intentionality outside of the walls of our home with new believers and those that are coming in to see the same thing happen. Our boys now, they're learning scripture, right? They are learning to understand what the Bible is saying, but it's intentionality. So in the same way, we have to take those same principles and ideas for Lauren and I, this is personally speaking, and apply that now to other people that we come in contact and that we meet, that meet Jesus for the first time, and we say, okay, now come into our home, be a part of our life, and let us help you grow and develop. Right now, we have a kid staying in our home who is watching, oh, he's at church now, he's playing on the worship team this morning, but... He stayed at our house so he could keep our dog for us last night. But he is a kid that we have brought in and said, we want to be intentional with you. Come have dinner with us. Let us talk to you. We're going to push you on and spur you on to become a man of God. It's that intentionality and saying, we're not going to allow you to become the next person who comes in, finds Jesus, walks away, and we never see again. But we're going to bring you into the family and see you built up so that you can stand on your own and ultimately reproduce. We're called to be fruitful and multiply. And it starts by being intentional in the making of disciples, building people up to be like Jesus. The third thing is this, we need to understand who the command was for. He calls all of us to go. He calls all of us to, to make disciples, and this is where, where it's at, of all nations. All nations. 
One of the things that, that I've had the privilege of seeing growing up was being under a, a pastor, a father, who had a heart for missions, but he also had a heart for local ministry. My dad was big on giving to missions, sending missionaries, and supporting missions because he understood the full scope of the Great Commission was for all nations, all people. No matter their background, no matter their political persuasion, no matter, no matter their, their race or ethnicity, it didn't matter. We are made in the image of God. And if we grasp and understand that we are made in the image of God, that should go far beyond any differences between you and I so that we understand that you are loved by God and that he wants you living for him and walking in relationship with him. One of the things that breaks my heart is when I hear, and people say it far too often, that the church is exclusive that the church only loves people that look a certain way, that act a certain way, that they only want to associate with people that, that, that have this, this, this in order. And I would say that that is the farthest truth from the Great Commission. The reality is, is Jesus called us to love all people no matter where they are, no matter what they're walking through, no matter what they're dealing with and the struggles they have. We don't hate sinners. We love people. And we want to see them set free from their sins, set free from the chains that they're bound in. The Great Commission calls us to all nations, all people. And I think sometimes that, that we forget that, that that is commanding us to go across the street and across oceans. It's not just about the, the, the person that we are close to, but it's about building those relationships and it's about extending beyond and helping send others to go build relationships around the world. The Great Commission is not just for a local ministry and not just for a, a missions-minded ministry. It is for all. It is for all. God calls us to reach all people. If there's anything I've learned is this, is that the gospel is not for any one person, but it's for all people. Jesus didn't come just so that, that a select group might find salvation, but he came so that it can be available to all people. And if we're willing to submit and surrender to the authority of Jesus, we can see life change happen around the world. But it requires us to be willing to give of who we are to make it happen. As I wrap things up this morning, I want to just ask a few questions that will help us kind of bring this home, that will help us kind of make this personal. Because I believe this, that the Word of God is, is, is created not just for in the moment it was written, but it was written for us today. And that the truths that we hear from the Word of God can be applied and can be used today. So my, some of my thoughts that I've had as I was writing this and working through this was going, how different would Richardson look if, if, if those that live there took on the, the, the weight of the Great Commission? How different would Lake Highlands look if we took on the weight of the Great Commission? How different would your neighborhood, would the L Streets, would Lockwood, would, would Easton, and all the, I'm still learning all the neighborhoods around here, so if I start trying, there's like a million and a half of them around here. There's like seven in Midlothian, so just, it's a little different. But how different would your world look? How Personally, how, how would your family look how different would your home look if all of a sudden you said, you know what, we're going to take responsibility for our children and we're going to make disciples there first? 
think that's where we lose it a lot of times is that we forget home. We forget that our children are the next generation of this faith that we call Christianity. Our children are the next generation of those that are going to serve Jesus. So we better do a good job now making sure that we build them up the right way so that when they take the torch, so to speak, when they take the baton, that they are running with it in the direction that God intended them to go. It's on us. How different would your home look? How different would your street look if you began to reach out to your neighbors? If you began to say that this is my mission field? How different would your street look if you said, this is who I'm called to? This is who God has placed me around intentionally because he knows that I have the inroad to reach them. That I have the relationship to build them up, to encourage them, to bring them into the faith, and then to begin to see them grow and develop. How awesome would it be if we had to start having small groups, not just in every neighborhood, but on every single street in Dallas and Richardson and and all the surrounding areas, because every person in this room started reaching all of the people around them. This is what we're called to do. This is the command Jesus gave us. He said, go and make disciples. And those weren't just words from another person or a friend, but they were from Jesus who has all the authority in heaven and on earth. So this morning I asked just a few simple questions. Maybe you're here and you're saying, you know what? I struggle with the full surrender to Jesus. I've given my sin. I've asked him for forgiveness. But when it comes down to it, I have a hard time stepping out and going beyond to anything else he asks of me. Like I said before, salvation isn't simply just for justification and righteousness in the moment, but it's the start of a greater relationship and a greater walk with greater blessing and outpouring because of our surrender to Jesus. So maybe you're here and you're going, you know what, I struggle with fully surrendering to the authority of Jesus. Or maybe for you, it's you go, you know what? I hear the Holy Spirit nudging me to speak to people, but it's as if the moment comes and my legs stop working and I just can't move. I freeze. I get paralyzed. And maybe God's pushing you this morning and saying, you know what? I need to be willing to go. I need to be willing to move. I need to be willing to go across the street, to go across the fence, to go across the aisle at work, to the next cubicle, whatever it may be. I need to be willing to go be a little more bold with my witness, a little more bold with my words, and to share the love of Jesus with somebody. Maybe you go, you know what, I've talked to people, and I've seen people come to know Jesus. It's the making disciples that I struggle with. Can I tell you that that's all of us? That's a hard thing. Learning to make disciples is not a, you don't get it overnight. You don't get it in two weeks. It's a lifetime of learning for all of us. But maybe that's where you're at. You say, man, I'm struggling with this. And maybe, and this, is, this gets a little more pointed, maybe you struggle with the all nations thing. Maybe you struggle with, with sharing the love of Jesus with people that don't look like you. Maybe you hide it well. Maybe you're able to put on a face and to show up on Sundays. And, and, and maybe that's a struggle for you. Can I tell you that that's, that is opposite of the gospel? That is opposite of the love of Jesus? That's opposite of the word of God? I'm going to do two things. One, I want to pray over you now, and then I'm going to come back after that, and I want to say one more thing, and I want to challenge you in one more way, and we'll pray again to close things. But, But if you're here and God is speaking to you in any one of those areas, I want you in this moment right now, as we begin to pray, just begin to say, God, 
correct me. Correct me. Bring me into full submission to your authority. Help me to line up with your word and with your leading. So, Father, I pray over every person right now. God, as they walk through this, as they reflect and review their heart, as they see where they are, God, as we look internally, as we look at uh, what we're walking through and what we're dealing with, I pray, God, that you begin to speak deep to us. God, we give you full authority in our hearts to make us uncomfortable if you have to. Challenge us, push us, correct us. God, we, we surrender to you, God. We say we are the clay and you're the potter. Shape us. Make us like you. Correct us. In the name of Jesus. Now, one last thing that I want to do this morning is if you would say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus and I want to make disciples and I want that to be my purpose on a daily basis. If you'd say, I want to become a disciple maker daily, would you stand with us? Would you stand and allow me to pray over you and say, I surrender to the will of God. I want to be a disciple maker. And I, and I say this, if, if, if you mean it, stand. If you mean it, stand. And hear me, there's, there's no judging if you're not standing. There's no, there's no condemnation if you're not standing. But, but I challenge you to say, I surrender to the will of God. Now, Father, you see all of those in this room. And if y'all could pray with me this morning, lift your voice. Father, I pray in this room this morning that your will be done. The God, that you begin to speak into hearts, into lives, Lord, that we surrender to you. Father, we commit to you to give to you who we are so that we can do the will of the Father. God, so that we can go and make disciples. Father, we, we submit to the authority in which you have spoken to us. And we say, God, we are surrendered to you to do exactly what you have called us to do, Lord. And we want to walk in step with you. So, Father, I pray for a supernatural outpouring of your spirit. God, I pray for an anointing for streets, for neighborhoods. I pray for anointings for workplaces. God, I pray for anointings for families. God, I pray for an anointing to, to see cities come to know Jesus because of our willingness to fulfill the great commission to be surrendered to the will of the Father to do God what you have called us to do what you have commanded us to do and so God I pray that you begin to build inside of us a passion and a desire Lord to see people come to know Jesus and then fully surrender their lives to the Father and the work that you have called us to and so God I pray over every individual in this room that is standing right now and I ask oh God that you will let this be a day marked in their hearts where they said this is the day in which I decided from this day forward, my purpose was to fulfill the Great Commission. My purpose is to make disciples. And so God, I pray that your Holy Spirit work and move in our hearts and our lives. God, as we give this as a moment to you to say, we are fully surrendered to your work and what you have called us to do. And we thank you for it. We give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.